Welcome to your weekly episode of Feed, Slay, Love. I'm your host, Catherine, and I'm so happy that you're here. Feed, Slay, Love is a podcast for busy moms who are everything for everyone. So if that's you and you ever wondered whether there's more to life, then you're in the right place. Let's dig right in. Today we're diving into a topic that's really close to the hearts of many working moms out there. We all know the balancing act of switching gears from being the boss at work <laughs> and then shifting into the loving, attentive mum at home. But how do we ensure that we really maintain that precious connection with our children even when we had challenging moments at work and can't really switch out of that boss mode that easily. So that's exactly what we will explore today, that mindset and emotional transition that all of us have to do on a daily. And that brings me to my first point. This mindset and emotional transition is really the key aspect here, or those are the key aspects here. Imagine you come home after a demanding day at work, your mind is still buzzing with tasks, with responsibilities, with to-dos that you didn't manage to tick off yet, with things that are coming up tomorrow or deadlines luring. But as soon as we're back home, it's kind of time then to switch into a different gear, right? So, you know, being fully present for our children, but also vice versa, when we go back to the office after, you know, an emotional morning with our kids who didn't want to go to daycare, to school or have problems or are scared about tests or exams at school, maybe. And then leaving that all behind and going into the office without that kind of feeling of being emotional and having our heads still at home. Um, and you know, getting back into that getting stuff done type of, you know, work mode again. I found it really helpful personally to manage this kind of transition by taking a few moments to decompress before entering the house. And this is really kind of like if you ever done any high performance coaching, work related coaching, um, that's what they will always recommend um, is that decompression moment to to allow yourself your body your mind to switch gears like to handle that transition um, because it can really make a world of a difference in how you show up to either work or your personal life at home and it's really about it's quite simple but it's hard to find that moment to do it and to remember it rather than rushing from your desk to, you know, the living room to switch from like finishing your last meeting to now looking after the kids or preparing bath time or bedtime or whatever, um, or dinner time. Um, it's, it's, you know, taking that extra beat, um, taking that moment to decompress between those um, and really do it consciously. Um, that creating that mental separation between work and home also really allows us to be more in the moment, right? It, it brings us back into the moment. It lets us kind of like, you know, have that ritual of 
shutting down the laptop at home rather than leaving it on and between cooking, like checking in on emails or something, but like shutting down the laptop, taking a couple of breaths, you know, or if you commute back from the office or from meetings, then maybe get off a, a tube stop or a bus stop earlier and just walk home, you know, and give yourself that time to just shake things off on the way home. Just walk it off. Um, just having that little bit of um, time in between, um, in between those big step changes in your day to allow yourself to finish one job and get into the next, you know, without dragging one thing into the other on the back, in the back of your head. Even just a couple of breaths, you know, before you put the keys into the lock, um, just being like, okay, I'm at home now, you know, work is done for the day and I'm at home now and I'm present, you know, just a little affirmation there. Um, that really helps me personally um, do that transition. And I know it's a big coaching strategy um, from all those big coaches. Big advice. There is another um, way to, to transition better as well, especially when it comes to not just ourselves, like our mindset and our head, like, you know, arriving in the right place. Um, but it's about also connecting with... Um, with your kids, right? So there are some strategies as well I want to talk about that deepen your connection. So um, so we talked about this kind of like mindful transition ritual that helps you be really more mindful and more in the moment and able to like open yourself up to be able to connect with your children, ask them how things were um, when you when you arrive back home rather than still being on your phone and not even properly being able to say hello to them because you're so distracted with work still. Um, but like having that real transition is one thing that helps you set the scene a little bit for uh, connecting with your kids. But then also I would say um, active listening is a huge part. So when you've arrived at home um, or when you're at home with your kids um, and you know this is home time now, or this is, you know, dinner time or like whatever it is. Practicing active listening is huge for children. You know, when when your child expresses their feelings, you know, um, it gives them so much when you give them your undivided attention, when you put away any distractions, you know, and it really shows them that their emotions are valued, you know. Um, if you ask them how their day was or... If you ask them who they played with or what went on at daycare or at school, like, um, you know, like tune in and give that undivided attention. Even if it's just a short time, it's not about now hours and hours of unloading type of thing. But it's even if you just have those five minutes where you listen in and where your kid tells you, oh, I argued with my best friend today or this and that happened or we went on this excursion and I saw this beautiful bird or like, I don't know, you know, it's really about paying attention and showing them that what they experience in their day is important to you. You want to know about it. And equally then that empathy and validation, you know, really acknowledging the emotions, even if you can't change the situation, let them know that their feelings are valid and you, you're here to support them. You know, you opening a door, um, for them to not just share how they feel or what they experienced, but 
also for them to share their feelings about something and for you to if you pay attention if you're able to be there in that moment with them you might catch a feeling you might catch a glimpse of sadness on their face or something like that where you can you know step in and and dig deeper and find out how they really feel and can support them properly this doesn't happen when we you know have our phone in one hand the you know cooking with the other or or tidying up or come home and are annoyed because the house is untidy or something like that um it those moments don't happen then um i mean at least not in my experience um and i feel like putting the child the person first over the over the chores or over the you know um, bomb that exploded in your living room probably um, you know that's really important to not be distracted and and lastly I would say open communication on the um, on the topic of those kind of like deeper connection strategies when you come home open communication is really about you know sharing things both ways you know they share with you what they did or who they met or what they saw but then you know you can share those things back and depending on the age of your child you know you can talk obviously in more simple terms that your and your child can follow the action but it really helps them feel connected to you um and to your world you know mommy went to the office today and oh my god like i went to the 17th floor you know of this office building and i had such a great view like these things are amazing for children to know um, and it really builds that bridge of understanding of them seeing a glimpse of your world too and um, i mean my daughter loves to you know i mean believe me she loves to tell me about her day what she ate at daycare who she played with what she saw the bugs she picked up the i don't know flowers she ate like i don't know they have edible flowers there apparently um but then after she's told me all of this she then turns to me and says so now tell me all you did since dropping me off and it's like the sweetest moment when she just wants to hear everything and she's so attentive with it then too and she's like okay so what did you eat for lunch oh and was it good okay and then what did you do after lunch and did you go for a walk or did you you know stay at home and was it raining here too and you know like it's just the sweetest moment when she wants to hear about all i've done and what i ate and who i spoke with and what i saw just like i do with her and she can be that kind of mini me type of version who can also ask questions and who can also get that glimpse. Um, it's a really, really sweet uh, moment we have. Not every day, um, but you know, like several times a week uh, where we try to make that time either on the walk back home or when we're at home and prepping something or, or just chatting and that we just talk about our days. It's really, really sweet. And that brings me to the next point, which is the power of small moments. Um, remember, it's not about the quantity of time, but about the quality of moments we spend together. It's like those small interactions, you know, whether it is that little catch up after, you know, you pick them up or it's a bedtime story or shared laugh about something, a hug, you know, it all contributes to a deeper bond. And it's not about pressuring yourself like oh my god i didn't ask my child today how her day was oh my god she's gonna hate me forever it's not like that it's really about making sure 
even when you're stretched, even on busy days that you put your phone down or shut your laptop down, even just for a little bit of time to be present with them. It means the world to them. And it's, it's a small thing for us. It, yes, of course, it's hard. And yes, of course, we'd rather be uninterrupted and keep working on that deadline or on that project. But it means so much to them to, um, you know, have our undivided attention. And it really does make or break that bond. And, you know, whilst I really love to get all that intel on my daughter's day at daycare and in turn, obviously, you know, giving her mine, um, I, we don't manage to do that every day, like to that extent, right? So what we try to do on Sundays in the week as well is um, instead of a bedtime story, um, we try to fit in a little card game a few evenings a week before bedtime. So we would just sit down, maybe have like, you know, right after dinner, have some, you know, uh, M&Ms or, you know, like just some sweet snacks with us. Uh, not every child can handle sweets before bedtime. So be mindful of that. But um, but whatever it is, we have some snacks and, and we just play a little bit of a card game together. You know, just that really special time of bonding, just her and I. I've heard from a friend who plays... A game of chess every time she picks her daughter up from from school um, they come home and just have their half hour together where they just play a game of chess lovely others go for an ice cream or go for a walk together or cook together in the evening you know whatever it is this kind of integrating your kids into your lives and making time and having rituals with them uh, it can be fun stuff you know that's really all they crave and even if it's just, you know, a short window of time, they really appreciate it. And it's, you know, surely, you know, giving you a positive boost too. We underestimate how playtime is so important for us adults, you know. Um, and a quote that really resonates on this topic in general is like, the days are long, but the years are short. So, you know, cherishing these moments, prioritizing the connection, even in the midst of the busiest of days, fitting in that little bit of connection, playtime, it will give you a refresh as well, I promise. Um, the last point I want to talk about is that kind of juggling act, because I really appreciate that juggling all the responsibilities we have as working parents, it's hectic. I mean, you know, I totally hear you. Probably some of you are like, well, you must have a lot of time, you know, playing card games with your kid, you know, every day. It's not every day. It's a few times a week that we manage to do it. In all honesty, I can't fit everything into every day. But there is something we do, you know, every day. Um, whether it's taking a walk together or whether it's cooking something together or setting the table together or having that chat or playing a card game or having pizza night or like whatever, you know, there's something like I'm trying to have something every day where we are having a moment together. And, you know, it's not always possible to fit it all in 100% hear you. So it's a juggling act. And it's, it's something as moms are very privy to. And if you listen to my previous episode about mom guilt, I mean, it's really that feeling of guilt when we didn't do it, right? And we need to let that go. We need to be in the moment more. And when we even just spend five minute quality time with our kids, that's okay. You know, 
we have to master that art of multitasking, but we, we're not entertainers, right? Um, we have to yeah, take charge in so many areas of our lives. So really, really, really don't take this like you're not doing enough. It's just about doing it more consciously, doing it more mindfully. And I'm sure you have those moments, but if you just remember when you have that chat with your kid about how their day was, put that phone away, you know, or if you uh, cook with them, like, you know, maybe switch that TV off or something like that. It's just about being a little bit more in the moment um, and, and really embrace um, those quality time moments a little bit more. Um, I think, you know, shifting the mindset for me personally is the hardest one, shifting from kind of a boardroom type of mindset to a living room kind of mindset um, is really tricky because, um, and, and that's true for me, I don't know about you, but when, when there are emotional situations at home, like when there are things um, that I haven't dealt with because she's my first child, my only child, then, you know, in age-wise, there are different situations that come up. Um, you know, arguments with friends or fears of something um, or not wanting to go to bed alone or like, you know, all those type of things. Um, I found that I consciously need to be switched into mum mode rather than my problem solver kind of corporate mum mode, you know. Um, and then rather than thinking like uh, a boss, it's, you know, it's not about getting things under control or putting fires out or something, you know, it's really switching into that more empathetic mode um, where, where we need to tune into their emotions. And that works better when we already have a good connection with them. They will open up easier and these situations might not escalate as badly. You know, those situations um, that crop up every now and then, not the day-to-day -day kind of meltdowns, but more like bigger um, situations where our children feel a bit lost or, or don't know how to cope. Um, so if we connect better with them in our day-to-day -day and have those moments of quality time tuning in, then, you know, the bigger things might not get huge, um, the bigger problems. And I had a situation I want to share with you. Um, I had a situation with my daughter last summer when she didn't want to go to daycare. She had a meltdown, kind of like panic attacks every morning. She thought she has a heart attack. Uh, I think she just, you know, obviously like she couldn't really breathe because she was crying so hard and cr screaming and her heart was hurting. And, and it was hard. I mean, it was... Um, it was crazy and, and meltdowns for me as well for like a good week, a bit more than a week um, until I got to the root cause. And, and I want to share with you how I handled it. And I obviously failed at first. So, so as I said, my daughter started having those panic attacks at drop off at kindergarten. It was last summer. She's been a bit more clingy in the days prior um, to, to this really kicking off, but nothing unusual. I mean, she was then she was nearly five years old. And in my view, like sometimes, you know, kids are a little bit more needy or like need that attention and, um, and care a little bit more on some days and some days less. So anyway, on a Monday, she started, you know, we, we went to kindergarten as per usual, but she started getting upset already outside when walking up to her kindergarten. And once inside, she was like, I'm gonna stay with you. She started crying, holding, like grabbing onto me for dear life breaking out into screaming, anxious panic, like nothing I've ever seen her do. Like I'm leaving her with a lion who's going to eat her now kind of thing. 
and like she would not want to stay there the teachers and i we couldn't manage to calm her down i set her down in the corner made her breathe calm down you know all the things that i do when i have a panic attack i mean you know not quite like that but you know the breathing reassuring i pick her up later i need to go to work you know mommy's getting late um you know you really need to stay here with your friends you were on friday was fine you know now it's monday like what's going on but obviously, I mean, she didn't care about me getting late for work and she even cared less about my attempt of rationalizing with her. Like, you know, um, you know, mommy needs to go to work. It's like, yeah, I don't care. I want you to stay and I want to stay with you and I'm going to scream my head off until you do it. So um, that same scenario repeated every day that week. I spoke to her about it every day. I spoke to the teachers. I tried different approaches. Different family members tried to drop her off instead of me because we thought maybe she doesn't want to separate from me. Separation anxiety. Maybe there's something, you know, triggering her. Her dad and I had separated a year before, so maybe she's only just digesting it now and now she doesn't want to lose me as well. I don't know. In my head, I came up with all these stories that, you know, could it be that? Could it be that? But it was every day was the same story. Nothing helped. No talking to her. No asking why. Like nothing helped. Screaming, inconsolable crying every day. But once I was gone every day again, uh, this always carried on for about half an hour. Um, but every day when I was actually gone, I emailed the teachers and they said like, yeah, she calmed down quite quickly and rest of the day was quite normal. So it was just that moment in the, mo in the morning and, you know, we all tried to explain to her, she doesn't need to be sad, she's safe, she can just play all day, she'll be picked up, she can trust us and so on. Um, but then one day, it was like, I don't know, on the Wednesday or something that week or Thursday, she asked me whether I was scared too when I was her age. Because she obviously recognized that this wasn't kind of like normal. And, and in that moment, I thought like, oh, this is my, you know, moment to show her I'm the role model. Like, no, no, I wasn't scared when I was your age. I was never scared of kindergarten, you know. Um, I was, you know, I always loved it there. And I was always kind of like going there and enjoying it and, you know, you can be brave like that too. And you know, like I was just trying to role model to her, but I didn't grasp that connection. She's like really was looking for, she sought a connection and I couldn't grasp it in that moment because I was so in problem solving mindset mode and not in that empathetic connection mode. I wasn't like, oh, sweetie, you know, what do you mean, like, whether I got scared as well? Like, you know, I should have probably validated her emotion more rather than being like, no, 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 you know, I was brave and so are you and, you know, whatever. Um, so I just kind of like didn't make her feel understood, but I made her feel more so that something was wrong with her probably. And it wasn't my intention, of course, but it's it was a default reaction as a natural problem solver type to be optimistic and encouraging, you know, to be that role model and being, you know, like connecting with her higher self, like, you know, being like, you know, I know you can do it too. And um, rather than connecting with her fears and worries, rather than really seeing her. So want, me wanting to deflect her fear made her, you know, to make her feel strong, but I failed to acknowledge her in that process. I wanted her to feel stronger through it, but I made her feel weaker and more insecure. 
And it really scared me that I, you know, just couldn't fix it. I thought after that pep talk, maybe, you know, the next day is better, but obviously it wasn't. And these daily meltdowns continued. Nothing seemed to work. So I was at my wits end, even after that little chat of her trying to open up to me. And in hindsight, obviously me realizing I didn't quite get that. Um, and I couldn't bear seeing her suffer like that anymore. So I didn't know what else to try. I was really... You know, I, the only thing I knew for sure was that I was going wrong somewhere. I knew I exhausted my knowledge here and I needed to get another perspective. So what did I do? The millennial thing we would do, I listened to a parenting podcast. <laughs> um, Dr. Becky Kennedy at The Good Insight, she was recommended to me by a friend a while back. Um, I listened to her podcast and watch her reels every now and then. I found her really competent because she always opened up like a real simple way to solve things, really effective way of dealing with situations. So, um, you know, I've applied her methods here and there before, recommended her to friends. So, you know, I just thought, okay, maybe I try her out. Maybe she has something on separation anxiety and boom, she obviously did. She had an episode a while back on separation anxiety and in that episode, I just want to share with you really briefly, she explains, and this is so crucial, she explained that children look for two things in those panic moments. They look for connection and leadership. So connection kind of in the sense of, I felt that too when I was your age, you know? What does your feel, a fear kind of like feel like? Does it feel big like the teddy bear or huge like the house, you know? So that kids can put it into their language as well and kind of grasp the concept of fear and how big it feels. And by the way, I mean, this was the better approach to fixing things with my daughter. Her fear felt as big as two houses, you know, and, and, and that's the kind of thing. Like once they recognize that it's not a shadow following them that they don't know and they can't grasp, once they can say, oh, it's like big like a house, you know, then it already feels a little bit less scary. And then we can shrink it to be as big as the wardrobe maybe. And we can shrink it more to be as big as your teddy bear. And then we just can put it into a backpack and have it with us, you know, and carry it around and it's manageable. So that's a kind of connection sense to say, I felt that too, rather than no, that was never me. I was so brave. And, you know, like, I believe in you too. You can do it. Um, it's that real connection. Then the leadership sense um, is how will things go down? You know, that's explaining things before they will happen. Okay, tomorrow morning, I will drop you to kindergarten where you're safe with your teachers. We'll say a quick goodbye there. We won't drag it out. Um, we just say a quick goodbye, one hug in kindergarten and I'll go to work. And then I pick you up later. So this is leadership of telling them how things will happen. This will not make the situation insecure. This will not make, um, you know, give them the feeling of, oh, I don't know what's going to happen. Like which teacher will be there? What will, you know, like not even going into that. And, and it helps them to not allow their feelings and fears to circle with endless, you know, reassurances. You know, we, on the way to kindergarten, you know, one reassurance, you're safe here, I'll pick you up later, let's hug when we're inside. In Inside, you know, one more reassurance, 
um, you know, you're safe here. Teachers look after you. I pick you up later. Give me that big hug now, as big as you can. And then I go and boom. And the funny thing, Dr. Becky Kennedy compared this type of scenario, that leadership scenario too, and, and that really resonates with me, is she compared it to a pilot who flies through turbulence. So imagine us parents are the pilot and the kids as a passenger. If you had a pilot who said, I know there's turbulence ahead, I'm worried too, but let's hope it will be okay soon, compared to someone who says, I know you're scared, but I also know you're safe and I'll get us to the airport safely. So just buckle up, close your eyes and rest up. You know, which pilot, which pilot would you feel more comfortable with? I mean, in all honesty, right? That kind of blew my mind because this rationalizing, explaining, empathizing and all those other techniques I tried to work with, um, they work maybe at, you know, with adults, you know, they work with um, like-minded people, they work with your colleagues, but they don't work with the child. The child seeks reassurance. They seek someone who's in control and who they can trust to navigate everything. And yes, I'm not saying your, your child can't trust you to navigate, but sometimes we need to remind ourselves that our insecurities and our fears and our worry and in that week my fear of the mornings really rubbed off on my daughter as well. I mean, I don't know why she started all of this on the Monday morning, but she had a fear that she couldn't, you know, vocalize. She couldn't explain because she didn't know how to handle it. So when she said to me, you know, when I opened up that avenue to talk and to put it into children kind of capable language, and she said it's as big as two houses, her fear of kindergarten, then at least she had something there that kind of took it out of her a little bit, you know, that took that fear out of her, that took that shadow away a little bit. And, and then me telling her, you know, how things will go down, you know, with a lot of empathy and love, you know, you're safe there, I'll drop you there, you're good, we hug once and, you know, mommy goes. That just worked, you know, I've applied these techniques to my daughter the next morning, you know, and then actually at drop off, there were no tears, you know, still she was a bit resistant and whiny and was like, oh, my throat hurts, I think I'm getting sick and I mean, she wasn't sick, you know. So it was quick, but it wasn't traumatic. And that was the main thing. It was a turning point for her and for me and for our relationship. Whew. Okay, so this was a lot. And let's face it, those moments can be overwhelming. But luckily, those type of situations are not always like, you know, day-to-day -day kind of problems. Whew. Uh, thank God. Uh. Even though... You know, those kind of like bigger problems, I would say, they crop up less frequently. I do believe that they are the ones that really, as I said in the beginning, kind of make or break that relationship. So if we already have a great basis of creating connections with our child, if we set the scene for daily check-ins with them, daily quality time, even if it's a quality moment rather than an hour together, just a five-minute chat, having that and insisting on that and keeping that will make our children feel more valued, more understood and less alone with their fears. So I hope, you know, dear fellow parent, I hope connecting with your children, especially in challenging, challenging situations is, you know, 
on your radar and it is something you don't shy away from. There is help out there. There are podcasts, there are books, there are online courses and whatever about, you know, parenting at different stages in life. And I get it. The teenage years are no joke, but, you know, it's an ongoing journey. And the earlier you start being mindful, present and really attuned to the emotions, um, the better. And hopefully it will last a lifetime. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe, rate and share the Feeds Day Love podcast with other fabulous working mums like you. Join us next time for more tips, tricks and empowering discussions. Stay slaying! And always remember, this podcast is for the purpose of entertainment and education only and it's not a replacement for 